Okay, I got it started. Yeah, we're going to be in Galatians 3, but I'm going to have a little trivia for you before we get going here. And it has nothing to do with the Bible. And I'm going to share my screen. Does everybody know what this is? It's a, a leopard, right? No, it's a, a cheetah. Cheetah. Okay, cheetah. right. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you a, a question. How fast can this animal run? 55 miles an hour. How much? 55. 55? 70. You hit it right on the head. Yeah, if you're going 65 miles an hour down the road, this cheetah is going to catch you. <laughs> Isn't that amazing that that animal can run that fast? It's, God it's, is amazing. God is amazing. Yeah, you can just see it built for speed. Beautiful animal, though. I just thought I'd share that with you. That was my that's my wallpaper this morning. <laughs> once in a while, I'll I'll get wildlife. Sometimes I'll get sea life, you know, and and different uh, landscapes and stuff. So it's 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 nice. It changes every morning. So I never know what I'm going to get. It's always a surprise. So, well, anyway, uh, we're going to be in Galatians 3, and I'm just going to open in prayer, and we're going to get going right away. Well, Lord, again, we just want to thank you that we can study your word, and we thank you for the book of Galatians. There's so much in it that we sometimes just take for granted. But, Lord, there's so much truth in it. And we live by the truth, and that's the truth of your word, and we can rely on it, Lord. So we ask you now to bless our time together as we look at your scripture and look at your uh, your Bible, and it, it's truly your word. And we know we have the written word, but we also have the living word. And you said in John that you were the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We just praise you now and ask for your blessings. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. I'm going to start us off, and then Ron, and then, uh, then Dan. And we'll just, we'll go through, let's just go through the first nine verses, and then we'll pause, and then we'll take take it from there after we finish discussing so i'll start off with verse one. O foolish galatians who has bewitched you it was before your eyes that jesus christ was publicly portrayed as crucified i want to learn only this from you did you receive the spirit through the works of the law or by hearing with faith. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? <clears throat> Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Okay, that's, I'm sorry. Five, uh, yeah. Five. Does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. 
know then that it is those whose faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel in advance to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Amen. Uh, yeah, this first portion is kind of like the groundwork for this chapter. And... Uh, we see that uh, Paul is saying to the Galatians, uh, there he's asking them a question, really. Uh, uh, he's asking, who bewitched you? And what he means by this is, uh, who has confused you? Who has bewildered you? Uh, somebody had brought in a false teaching. We talked about it last uh, week when we got together that uh, these false Judaizers were coming along and telling the Gentiles that they had to be circumcised and they had to obey the law. And Paul continues on with the subject from the last chapter that we read and went through that uh, it's not by law, but it's uh, through faith uh, that we are justified. And he even asked him, he says, uh, about Jesus Christ being publicly portrayed as crucified. Then he asked another question. He says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or the hearing with faith? Uh, well, the answer is that we don't receive the spirit by the law, by obeying the law. I mean, at one time I, I tried to obey, you know, God's commandments. Uh, and when I did, and there were times that I obeyed it, but I didn't receive the spirit that way because I didn't receive the spirit until I put my faith in Christ. Once I put my faith in the Lord, that's when I received the spirit. So he's bringing out the fact that it isn't by the law that you receive the spirit or that you're born again, that you're saved, but it's through faith. And I'm just going to jump over to one verse in Ephesians. Uh, find it here. Oh, no. I can't remember where it is here. Yeah, it says uh, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, but uh, by grace you have been saved and raised up with them and seated with Christ in heavenly places. And then going back to verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, has made us alive together in Christ. And then uh, it says that we have nothing to boast about. We're in Christ Jesus. 
for by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. So it's even our faith uh, that we put in Christ is a gift. Uh, we receive a gift freely uh, and we don't pay for it. And if you're trying to be justified by the law, right. it's, it's like paying for something. Yeah. Very true, isn't it? If we can, if we can, there's three. Go I'm ahead, sorry. man. Go ahead. I, I'm sorry, I'm not hearing you. Go ahead, say that again. There's three places where in the New Testament where it says Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness, or imputed unto him for righteousness. And it's in James two twenty three, Galatians three six here, and Romans four three. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the things it's interesting that James uses um, the argument that without works, faith without works is dead, and so you know it isn't just the faith. The faith is what we do to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what saves us. But the works afterwards are that which confirms that we have been saved. And we see in um, the same thing in uh, Romans 4.3, we see that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And it goes on to say in Romans 4, that uh, if it had been by the law or by works, then it would have been a debt. That, but since it wasn't by works, it was by faith alone, then it is by grace we are saved. And it's not by the works of the law or by the works of our hands that saved us, but the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. The work that James was talking about was the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, belief is a product of the Spirit. You know, and you look back to Eve, if she just would have had faith in what God said and obeyed him and hadn't eaten the fruit, we wouldn't be in this mess. And I can't help but believe that way back somewhere in the line, Satan also failed to believe and accept on faith uh, what the God the Father was saying uh, before Satan fell. And, you know, the faith seems to be such a simple matter, but it is obviously an act of the will. And that act of the will uh, joins with the Spirit of God for new life, being baptized into the body of Christ, uh, receiving the Spirit, being indwelt by the Spirit. Um, you know, it's just amazing what God does with our faith. You know, he gives us that faith. That's a gift. But once he's given it to us, then he takes that faith like a football player on the, on the field and like going for the touchdown. 
he's got us and that ball of faith in his arm and he's he's in for the touchdown goal um you know i just am so thankful that our salvation does not depend on us our faith or our works depends on jesus uh acting on us uh by his grace and mercy and us responding uh as good soil Amen. you know that uh we all heard the saying uh putting the cart before the horse you know and when you mentioned james there's a lot of people in the world today that are putting the cart before the horse yeah they are trying to work their way to salvation so their works is being put before their faith yes and uh that doesn't work <laughs> it just sure doesn't uh, it's just like you got to get the horse before the cart before things will move forward so really what what i'm trying to say is that we're saved by faith through grace it's a gift of god and when we're saved then comes the good works so like james says you say you got faith I'll show you my faith by my works. So if you have true faith in God and in Christ, you are going to have good works. Even the Lord says, you'll know them by their fruit. So in other words, you're not going to bear good fruit if you're not saved. Oh, yeah, you're going to do good, good deeds and stuff, but your life is not going to be... Uh, a uh, true, uh, truly a, 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 a life pleasing to God. The only way you can please God is by faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And then you will produce good works. But before that, it's like putting the cart before the horse. You know? Even a child can understand that. Even a child. You made it that simple. Yeah. You know, you, you look at Jesus saying that of such is the kingdom of God. How does, a, how does a child act? A child comes to you in complete innocence with arms open wide, trusting you to welcome, receive uh, the um, embrace of the child coming to you. You know, the, the child coming to Jesus surely had their hands up hoping Jesus would pick him up. You know, the, we, the, the, the person who's saved has believes that when he reaches up uh, by the enabling of the Holy Spirit, when he reaches up, that the Father's going to take him up, that he's going to pick us up, and, and, and we'll be among his blessed children because we believe. You know, just that simple belief, trust, trusting him, uh, the act with the with the faith of a child. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, you know, Ron. You mentioned a little earlier Satan, <clears throat> and uh, that it's it's interesting to me that um, Satan wanted to be God. Yeah. And he said, I will. Yep. I will. You mentioned the act of the will. And Satan 
said I will. But <clears throat> because he couldn't be God, he wanted to destroy everything. I think he wanted to destroy everything that God had made. And that's why when God created the heavens and the earth, Satan sought to destroy it. And his, his um, deceiving of the woman was an attempt to destroy what God had created. And then we see that once man had fallen, he figured that he had, Satan figured he had won because he got man to fall. But God said, no, it's in the seed of the woman that's going to bruise the head of Satan. And so we have, once again, Satan seeking all throughout the history of mankind to pollute the the um, the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we ended up with the flood and God used the flood. And after the flood, Satan came back again and he redoubled his efforts trying to corrupt and pollute the lineage by which the Lord Jesus would come. But the Lord Jesus, God the Father, so identified the Lord Jesus with the the, with mankind that he took into his lineage even things that were not supposed to be able to be uh, reconciled. Um, there was Ruth the Moabitess. There was Rahab the harlot. There was uh, many others that uh, were of questionable character. Not that Ruth was of character questionable character but she was a Moabitess and the, Mo the Moabites were into the uh, nation up to the 10th generation and she ended up the third generation being I mean the great grandmother of King David but just seeing how Satan seeks to corrupt and seeks to destroy anything that is good and decent in anything that God has created. But <clears throat> it just shows one more time the grace and the mercy of God and the gift that he presents to whosoever will. I just wanted to say that faith is an action word. It's not a passive word. Right. Uh, right. Faith uh, takes action. And what I mean by that, very good, you know, illustration, you might even heard it before about a guy crossing the Niagara Falls on a tightrope, walk across, walk back. And the second time he did it, he took a wheelbarrow and he walked across, pushing the wheelbarrow. And when he came back, he pushed the wheelbarrow. And then he asked the crowd, he says, you all believe that I can go across the tightrope with a wheelbarrow? Well, everybody knew he could because they sat there and watched him. Well, he said, if you really believe it, now get in the wheelbarrow. That's the action. You know, we are told to believe God. And people will say, well, yeah, I believe it. You know, that's a passive type belief. It's you got to get in the wheelbarrow, uh, yeah. so to speak. You have to be in Christ Jesus. You have to trust them with all, not just with your mouth, 
but with your whole being. Uh, you got to, that's, that's where we teach kids, you know, to have Jesus in your heart. Really what that, what really, what we're saying is that Christ should be your life. It should be everything. You should believe in everything he says and do what he says because he's looking out for the best for you. But sometimes we want to do it our way. And then we make our faith passive instead of an action. So, so Irv, you know the rest of the story about the wheelbarrow on Niagara Falls? Go ahead and tell me. <laughs> so the you, you after uh, he, the man's name was Blondine. He was a world famous tightrope walker. And um, after he had made the offer to the crowd, a young boy walked up on the stage and climbed in the wheelbarrow. Mm -hmm. And to the amazement of the crowd, Blondine walked across with the wheelbarrow and walked back. And the little boy got out of the wheelbarrow and one of the reporters walked up and said, how could you do that? And he said, oh, easy. He says, it was, he's my father. He's done it many times. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's the way it is. You know, that's, you talk about faith, you know, that's how faith is. Yeah. You know, he's our father, you know, do we trust him? Yeah. And so anyway. Yeah, that, I, that's how I heard the story anyway, Irv. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> well, we're going to read the next section because it, it really deals. We were talking with Abraham about Abraham's faith, and you mentioned places in Scripture. Well, I'm going to, uh, I'll start us off at verse 10, and we'll read through to uh, verse 14. There's kind of a natural break there. Okay, for all who rely on the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide in all things written in the book of law, of the law, and do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Grace redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. For that... Yeah, verse 14. For that, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might be received, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Yeah. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Well, we might as well keep going. Uh, I'll just take 16 then. Now that the promise was made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say that to his offsprings, using the plural here, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring, who is Christ. 
And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul, 30, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Why then the law? It is added because of transgression, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was put in place through angels by the uh, intermediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promise of God? God forbid, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the, the uh, scriptures imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian or a schoolmaster. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Amen. Yeah, we see that uh, we were talking about Abraham before. He uses this as a, a prime example that, you know, Abraham was 430 years before the law was ever given. Right. And, and, and I, I couldn't, I can't say it any better than what Paul says it here. This is what I mean, he says in verse 17, that the law, which came 430 years afterwards, did not annul the covenant previously ratified by God. So he, he, he's saying that you cannot change the covenant that was already made by God. The law will not change that at all so as to make the promise void. In other words, we can't void what God has already promised. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it is no longer coming by promise, but God gave it to Abraham as a promise. Why then the law? He's saying, why was the law given? Well, 
the best explanation here is it's a schoolmaster, it's a guide, it's a guidance, it's it's to teach us that we need Jesus Christ. We need a substitute. Uh, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And we all are under sin because of the law. The law makes us aware of the transgression. So we know that we are guilty before God. And, and none of us can obey the law. It says that if you if you violate even one little part of the law, you're guilty of the whole law. And uh, there's none of us that can say that we have never broken God's law. We've told lies, you know, we've cheated. We've done so many evil things. Uh, we thought of ourselves more than we thought of others. Uh, there's so many things. There's uh, sins that we commit that we don't even know we're committing sin. And uh, that's why I said we can't even imagine a world without sin. And so we're all lawbreakers, every one of us. And that's really what the law teaches, that we're all violators, that we're all sinners, and that we need a substitute. And uh, the rest of this portion of this chapter actually talks about Christ being our, being our curse for us. You know, I love the, the simplicity of the statement in verse 19. What purpose, then, does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions. You know, um, this was pointed out to me, and, and, I, and I'm, I can't be dogmatic on it because, you know, I don't believe the Bible is dogmatic on it. But I often wondered, Cain killed Abel. Under the law, that was murder. Under the law, Cain should have been killed. But Cain was not executed. God did not demand Cain's life for the killing of Abel. Why? Because the law had not been added to deal with the transgression of murder. And so I can understand that, okay, Cain was not executed because the law was not in place yet. But the law was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. So the purpose of the law was to deal with our transgressions. And so that's a good reason. That's a good thing. The law is good uh, in that it deals, it shows us how to deal with our transgressions until Christ, uh, the fulfillment comes. Um, but I, I love the fact that, you know, God did not hold uh, Jacob, did not hold Joseph uh, to all of the law of Moses, because the law of Moses had not yet been given. Uh, you know, I, I really like, I, I really appreciate the statement of the purpose of the law. It was added because of transgressions. Two things, to show us our sins, to show us the need of a savior, you know, and thank God for the law, for being the school teacher who brings us to Christ. In Romans chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, or by the law, 
is the knowledge of sin. And so exactly what Ron was saying here that you know it's but the law gives us knowledge. But then we go over to uh, Romans 7, 7. It says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law said, thou shalt not covet. So we see that the law, once again, the schoolmaster shows us how far short we come of God's standard when he says all have sinned. And then we see the great mercies of God when <clears throat> he went to the cross and took upon himself my punishment for my sin. And so it's it does, as has been said, it shows us how far short we come, but it also shows the depth of the grace and mercy of God in dealing with sin on our behalf. You know that our the law of God is the perfect law, but the law that we have now is polluted. And I can tell you when the law went awry, it was because of evolution. What happened was when evolution started to be taught, uh, not as just a theory, but as a fact, and it's not a fact, it's still a theory. And uh, what happened was when evolution got into the higher education, it got into the universities that was teaching the law. And man started to say that law was evolving. So they based law on past precedent. So if one case is tried and the verdict is such and such, then the next time that offense is, we go back to that law and say, well, it was judged this way, so it has to be judged that way again. So it's evolving. That's what man says. So the law is actually being changed. It is no longer the law of God. At one time, law was based on the law of God. It was based on what God said. But we have come so far from that now with evolution that it's completely uh, the, law, uh, the law of God is actually polluted in the eyes of man. So we don't live by that anymore. And after the flood and after uh, government was uh, instituted. Uh, it was put an eye for an eye. You know, we had a tooth for tooth, so forth. But then it was a life for a life. So if you kill somebody and you were found guilty of murder, your life was taken. Now they don't do that. They give you life instead of death. And uh, we've changed even the penalties of God's law. Uh, grant you, I know that some of them are pretty severe. If a child cursed his parents out and you, you just take them outside and stone them, you know, I, that, that has changed. <laughs> there would be hope. Nobody would ever live long enough. All the kids would be killed because they all disrespect their parents. But it, it tells us in the end times that uh, 
children will be disobedient to parents. And we see that today. Uh, it's rampage. Uh, it isn't that uh, the parents are telling the kids what to do. The kids are telling the parents what to do. And we see everything has changed. So, so first, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ron. No, I was just I was just remarking that it is a sad, sad situation we are in today. Yeah. From God rejecting Jesus, choosing sex to be our God, um, throwing out throwing out the Word of God. Yeah. It's um, you know America has has is asking for judgment. America yeah. is asking for judgment, and I really believe without a miracle, judgment is coming. Mm -hmm. Verse nine says, um, "So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham." It's talking here um, about Abraham believing God. And it's by faith we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are blessed in the Lord Jesus Christ. As we see in Ephesians, we are made to sit in the heavenlies. But we are blessed with faithful Abraham. And then we go down a few more verses, and it says... Um, Cursed is everyone that continueth not. And then verse 11, it says, No man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident the just shall live by faith. And that was Martin Luther's verse in the Reformation that uh, shook the foundations of uh, the religious world. But to come to understand that it's by faith, I am, as we see in Galatians 2, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. And we see verse 12, it says, The law is not of faith. There's as we remarked earlier about uh, in Romans 4, um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, oh, the lie, it's Romans, uh, Romans 4, that um, if, if you keep the law, then the, it's no longer a gift, it's no longer a faith, but it's a debt, and so if we are able to work out, to work for our salvation, then God owes it to us. But the fact is, is that God does not owe us. He is the one that provided the gift and gives it to us. And we then are recipients of his loving kindness, his grace, and his mercy. And we, in order to be saved, we accept the free gift. The gift is something somebody else pays for and gives to a recipient, and the recipient has to take the gift. They have to accept the gift. And I think that that's something that quite often we don't 
enter into, we don't grasp that God provides the gift. And then if we don't accept the gift, if we turn our back on, then the gift does us no good. Mm -hmm. Has to be mixed with faith. Yeah. You know, that is so, so tragic. If Eve just would have had faith in mm -hmm. God, if she just would have believed God, she wouldn't have eaten, she wouldn't have disobeyed, disobeyed and ate the fruit. But she believed Satan. And, and uh, to me, that tells me what a big deal it is to God about faith and belief. T to God, faith and belief are the keys to the kingdom. You know, he uses faith and belief to let us in, <laughs> to uh, bring us under grace, under his salvation. Um, <laughs> it just, you know, the simplicity of faith and belief is, you know, simply believing what he said and acting accordingly. Wow, <laughs> that's not that's not uh, rocket science. You know, that, that there's a simplicity in hearing and believing. And then like First John 2 says, how do we know that we are of him? Because those who obey, those who hear and obey, that's the evidence that they are his. Why do they obey? Having heard, why do they obey? Because they believe. Why do they believe? Because God's Holy Spirit stands there ready at the first inkling of readiness to believe and moves in and enables moves in and enables i know when i got saved um i you know saturday morning i was planning my suicide saturday afternoon i was saved what made the difference i believed mm -hmm. the, the sister explained to me for three hours proved to me from the word that god loved me and sent jesus to die in my place and that he loves me and welcomed me as his child you know i i believed before that in the morning i didn't believe that i was planning my suicide in the afternoon i heard the word and i believed and that yeah. belief it was an act it was an action mm -hmm. yep it was your action yeah mm -hmm. enabled by him yeah. enabled by him I'm going to jump over to verse 27 because I want to talk a little bit about this. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. I want to talk to you a little bit about baptism. Now, we know that baptism doesn't save. The thief on the cross wasn't baptized, yet the Lord said, today you'll be with me in paradise. It was just his belief in Christ that saved him. Right, his actions or his baptism. But a while back, and I think I was just a young believer at the time, I studied baptism. I really wanted to understand it. And I came up with, there's five different baptisms in the Bible. So when we read the word baptism, we got to try to realize which baptism are we talking about here? Yep. And, I, and I believe in this case, we're talking about the believer's water baptism in this case and i'll get back to that in a minute the five baptisms that i uh 
came up with was John the Baptist. Baptism was a baptism of repentance. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The king right. was there. The second baptism was the Lord's baptism. That was a baptism of him identifying with us. Yes, he told John, baptize me because we have to fulfill all righteousness. And then the third baptism was the baptism of the believer, which was also a baptism of identification. But this time we were identifying with Christ, going down in the uh, the burial of baptism, we died with Christ. And when we rose, we rose in newness of life. Uh, so it, it, that baptism is like when two people get married, you exchange rings. Mm -hmm. Does the ring make you married? No, it's your vow that made you married. The ring is showing the world that you belong to somebody. So it's a, an identification. Okay, the next baptism uh, was the baptism of the Spirit. And the baptism of the Spirit was uh, first demonstrated at Pentecost to show us what the baptism of the Spirit is. When we, be, when we give our lives to Christ, we're baptized in the Spirit. And all of us that believe in Christ are all baptized in, in the Spirit. And then the last baptism is the baptism of judgment, the baptism of fire. So those are the five baptisms. Now, coming back to the baptism of that we're talking about here in verse 27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ, okay, that's the picture of water baptism. It can also mean the baptism of the Spirit. So, we can apply this to two different baptisms. So I, be, I believe that it's the water baptism, but, uh, you know, uh, I won't get dogmatic on it. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek nor, nor slave nor free, nor male or female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Now, that verse talks about spiritual baptism because we all have been baptized in the spirit that believe. Because some have not been water baptism, you know, has not applied that. That's why I say you can apply either one in this case. So I just wanted to kind of bring that out because uh, I think that's kind of important when you're uh, looking at the doctrine of baptism. Uh, this is a good scripture to look at. I like the first Corinthians 12, 13 tie in to uh, verse 27. Uh, for by one spirit, we were into one body, not water, not baptized into water. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Mm -hmm. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit for in fact the body is not one member but many you know i i i i like the old baptist explanation of baptism that it's a putting into you know john put um the baptized uh, being idea of putting something into something 
Um, and I, First Corinthians 12, 13, you know, spells it out. The Spirit puts us in the body of Christ. Boom. You know, I didn't do it. I didn't earn that right. Uh, that was an act of and by the Holy Spirit. And uh, I was the blessed recipient. Hmm. I think uh, verse 19 there says, um, wherefore then serveth the law, it was added because of transgressions, is what um, Ron brought up earlier. But what I was looking at here, it was ordained by the angels in the hand of a mediator. A mediator, one who goes between, one who touches both sides. We see in Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, neither is there any other name under heaven given among men whereby he must be saved. For there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. That is the one, he is the one mediator. Yes. And then we see um, verse 21, it says, is the law against the promise of God, God forbid, for if there had been a law given which could have given life verily righteousness should have been by the law and so we see also in romans that um i'm sorry my mind isn't working here anyway it's um it's all right but then uh, verse 22 of our chapter says but the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of jesus christ might be given unto them that believe. And so the it was by promise. It wasn't God promised. And but the law is that which showed us why God had to promise, why God had to do the work. Romans 3 26. Um, God is just and the justifier. And he is the propitiation. He's the one who placated a holy and a righteous God on the cross by giving himself. And we see in verse 13 of our chapter, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. And we get that back in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Thank God for the mercy of God. Amen. Amen. And we see in verse 25, it says, After the faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, because Christ paid the price. The Lord Jesus Christ, he became the mediator. He was the one who propitiated himself. He was the offering, he was the sacrifice on the altar, and by his blood, he has purged us, he has purchased us. 
26, for ye are all the children of God by faith. And so it is by faith and not by works. The last verse in the chapter there says, uh, if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. <clears throat> we are recipients of Abraham's seed. We are recipients of finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as such, by faith, we receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I love how 1 John chapter 2 brings together faith and works. Now by this we, uh, 1 John chapter 2 verse 3. Now by this we know that we know him. What? If we keep his commandments. There's the law. His law. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. And so keeping the commandments is the result of belief. We believe, therefore we obey. Uh, verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. By keeping his word, which is based on faith, which result in the works of obedience. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked in faith, obedience. Jesus was obedient to death. Um, and so the, the, the faith results in obedience. Obedience results in uh, the proof that we are his. And um, like to James, it proves that our faith is real. Yeah. Well, we know that the promise that was made to Abraham that all nations would be blessed and they're all blessed through his offspring, his singular, which was talking about Christ. Amen. And this chapter really ends with this note for if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to promise. And that's how we become children of Abraham through faith in Christ Jesus. And that's where the promise was given to one. And it was not just uh, the plural, but the singular, which was Christ. And that's the whole Bible speaks of Christ. And uh, we are so blessed because we are now children of Abraham and we at one time were alienated. We were from the commonwealth, uh, meaning Israel. But we are the true sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And that's kind of how the chapter ends. And that brings us to an end <laughs> of our reading today.
So next uh, next time we get together, of course, we'll be in chapter four. And I really, really enjoy our scripture reading and just kind of pondering over what we're reading, thinking about it. And we are to be uh, studying God's word. Uh, and it says, study the word, to show yourself approved. And man does not live by bread alone. Though, you look at me, you think I would. <laughs> but uh, we are to feed on the word of God. And that's what we're doing tonight. And uh appreciate you guys getting together, you know, in this short time, this one hour that we spend together. We're getting to know one another. And we're all getting to know the word of God. So, Thank you, Irv. Thank you yeah. for following the Lord's leading. You guys want to flip a coin and see who wants to close in prayer? <laughs> oh, Dan is the prayer man. <laughs> <laughs> Our God and Father, again, we thank thee for thy word, for the privilege of having it in our hands. And our Father, we would just ask thy mercies and blessings on Irv and on Ron and on Jim. Just commit them to thy loving hand, thy care and keeping, and go with them throughout the week. So now we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God yeah. bless you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Jim. Even though we know you're quiet, we know you're there, and I know that we enjoy having you. And Ron and, and uh, Dan. You guys have a good rest of the week, and we'll see you next week, Lord willing. Lord, Lord like Lord. I always tell, my wife and the creeks don't rise. <laughs> yeah, there you go. God bless yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, bye-bye. Good night.